Fixate on Code, episode 21. All right, Larry Boerta here, and you are listening to Fixate on Code, the weekly bite-sized podcast where I talk to the best devs about their favorite strategies for writing great code. Now, let's chat with today's featured guest, Ada Rose Cannon. Ada, thanks for joining me today. Ah, right. Thanks for inviting me. Ada is a developer advocate and senior developer at Samsung. Previously a PlayStation developer, Ada now dedicates her time to pushing the limits of web VR and experimenting with client-side APIs. Ada, can you fill in some of the gaps in that intro and tell me a little bit about what you get up to when you are not writing code? Um, so when I'm not writing code, I'm usually attending conferences or speaking at events, or I like watching a lot of films and stuff, I suppose, as well. But yeah, I'm usually big into like the web VR stuff. So trying out new VR demos, giving stuff like that a go and playing videos some video games. So what are you most passionate about as a developer? So two really different topics. Uh, so right, right now, what's becoming really huge is virtual reality in the web. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the WebXR API, which is being managed by the Immersive Web Community Group, which I'm really super interested in. It's an API that's really taken off. You can use it in the web today. And it allows you to build fully immersive experiences for people and works with pretty much any VR headset, which can connect to a web browser, which is really incredible. That's awesome. And the other thing I'm really interested in, actually, it's more of a legacy technology. I'm really interested in HTML, which is (laughs) like the, the core building blocks of the web. I'm really passionate about like how we can start building really powerful dynamic software using declarative technology. So I've been doing a lot of research into web components at the moment and seeing if we can build like the web apps of today, but build them using HTML and CSS and JavaScript of 10 years ago. What is the status of web components at the moment? So it's one of those technologies where I kept trying it out every time, like every few months since it was first announced. And every time I like would start doing it and it would just be too difficult to put something together. Like I couldn't get the polyfills to work smoothly across all browsers and it was very difficult. But one thing I found since the last few months is that it just works. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's in Chrome. The polyfills work amazing in Firefox and they work pretty good in Edge as well. I don't actually have an Edge browser to test on, but generally I've had no problems with them. I use a combination of the official polyfill and the Shady Dom CSS polyfill. I think it's called Shady Dom. Generally, I've been able to build stuff and ship it without having too much trouble. So I think it's definitely there and ready to start building with. It's landing in, in the browsers. So yeah, like I think the future is very bright for web components. And I think they had a few like teething issues and had some trouble to take off. But mm-hmm. now I think it's smooth sailing. How does a WebVR library like A-Frame tie into web components and does it even tie into web components? Yes, it does. So A-Frame is probably one of my favorite libraries right now because it's a combination of my two favorite things. <laughs> A-Frame at its core is essentially a web component wrapper for 3.js. Mm-hmm. So 3.js is, is a library to allow you, is an abstraction library for WebGL because writing raw Raw WebGL is very difficult, but 3.js makes it very easy. Um, well, like more accessible. A-Frame by wrapping in HTML takes it to a whole new level of accessibility for new developers. Mm. So if a developer has only done HTML before, 
they can actually settle into A-frame pretty quickly and start building VR stuff. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, like even people who have never written software before can sit down and be like, oh, I kind of see what's going on here with HTML. You have a you have a cube and it's in this position and rotated this much. And they can start like copying and pasting code and changing variables and seeing how the scene changes around them. So I think there's much to be said for, for this pattern. And, and this is a pattern actually I've been looking to try and extend to other APIs because the interesting thing about A-Frame is that it uses web components, but doesn't actually use any of the scoped CSS or shadow DOM aspects of it because it doesn't render anything to the document. So the custom components A-Frame generates aren't actually used to change anything in the DOM they just add elements to the 3.js scene in, in JavaScript, which I think is pretty amazing. Like whoever came up with with that pattern, I think is incredible. And I think it's a pattern that can apply to lots of potential APIs. Well, A-Frame looks great. And it's good to hear that web components are finally getting support in browsers. Web components have been a long time coming and it sounds like they're finally here. Yeah, like if, if nothing else, I recommend just taking a look around, building a simple component and seeing how it feels and getting used to it. I mean, it's a great way to to build technology that works with each other without having to worry about like, oh, how do I hook this up in the JavaScript or mm. what do I need to expose to make this work? You just drop the HTML tag into a HTML page and it's script tag and it should just work. And it also helps bridge the gap for designers working with flat designs and functional web pages. Yeah, on that topic... Like I'd love to see like us as web developers, rather than building the whole website, building suites of web components, mm. which the designers who know HTML and CSS can build together into full pages and layouts. And I think that would be an incredible thing to see. Now, Ida, you've, you've worked as a PlayStation developer. You worked at the Financial Times doing prototypes and that sort of stuff. Now you're at Samsung. Can you tell me what are the steps that got you to where you are today? Yeah, so my background has always been like web and graphics. So when I was a small child at my school, the only place I could do software development was in the web browser. They didn't teach programming or any kind of computer science. But I was just hooked by the idea of making something I make run on a computer. Mm-hmm. So the only way I could do that was by building like small websites. So this is back in like IE5. Firefox one day. And so I used to make really simple games of having image elements move around a screen with your keyboard. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of what inspired me to get into like graphics. So during my degree, I did physics university. Whilst I was there, I did did some computer science modules in computer graphics. Mm -hmm. When the canvas came out, I wrote a, like a 3D mod, like an OBJ model viewer for, which rendered in canvas 2D. So doing a fine transforms on the on te- applying textures and stuff like that. And it, it worked pretty well. Basically, I've just been screwing around with graphics in the web my whole career. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when I was a PlayStation developer, I was building like 3D animated themes. So nothing like video games or anything like that, just mm. minor things. But it was still stoking my interest in graphics. Mm. And then the Financial Times, when I worked there in their R&D department, really brought me back to the web in a very strong way and greatly improved my web development skills. And I was fortunate enough to have a chance to work on some virtual reality stuff, some really amazing like graphical visualizations. So through like, basically my whole career has been perpetual rapid prototyping for like graphics-y webby stuff. Mm. And it's kind of stayed like that the whole way, but just leaning back and forth between more graphic or more web. Mm-hmm. 
And now with technology like WebVR, like it's all graphic, all web, and it's really amazing. How ready is the web for augmented reality? So right now you can, you can definitely build um, augmented reality stuff in the web. There are libraries that do it, which give you like access to the camera and the accelerometer and give you a good experience. But what's really cool is recently the WebVR standard was renamed to the WebXR standard with the intention that it includes mixed reality and, and augmented reality as well as virtual reality in the future. So it's definitely something which is looking to be standardized and brought into the platform itself. So although you can do it today, I'm hoping in a few years, you'll actually be able to do it as part of the like standard toolkit of the web. I think it's going to blow our minds. Yeah. And the applications of AR in medicine, training and learning are mind-blowing. And it's still such a new technology. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think AR hardware is going to be the future of like immersive media, because VR is really cool, but a lot of people don't want to be isolated like that. And Mm. I think AR is, and well, mixed reality is like the comfortable medium, but we just have to wait for the technology and the user interface patterns and and the developer experience to, to, to get there, to make amazing mixed reality experiences. All right, Ada. Okay, in terms of getting quality work done on a daily basis, which method or tool do you use that you just hate to be without? Uh, so actually something which I started using only for the last few months, but it's become a totally invaluable part of my workflow is Glitch. Um, have you heard of Glitch before? I have actually. I haven't taken a look at Glitch yet. Um, actually, I think I saw on your profile Glitch. Uh, I looked at it and I didn't know what was going on. So I went away. <laughs> um, so Glitch is um, is an online code editor, much like CodePen or JSBin, mm-hmm. but you get you get access to a full virtual machine with a Node environment set up mm-hmm. and a really nice online editor for getting very very quickly started, either making static websites or full websites backed with a Node server. It's a really nice way to work and. The real power comes from the ability to remix any project. So if you see something really cool on Glitch, and like, oh, I really like that. I want to build something similar. You can go visit the source code and press the remix button. And then you're given a copy of that source code, which you can just edit and play with and do whatever you want and then share it yourself, which is really nice for um, as a developer advocate. So I can build cool demos that someone might want to play with and be like, yeah, here you go. Have a go, try it out. And if you want to play with it, press the remix button and change the code wherever you want and make it work for you. So I think that's, that's really beautiful. It's like a really nice way to work. So where, where in your daily work are you still getting frustrated, Ada? Where do you feel there's room for things to be done in a more effective way? Um, so this was partly what prompted like a big shift in the way I work. So because what I do is a lot of rapid prototyping, mm-hmm. which often means I have to like start a new project um, every few days or like every week or so. And I got frustrated having to set up a full build system, choosing whether I want to transpile or not, um, choosing which tools to use and um, whether I should use like Grunt or Gulp or, or just put everything in the scripts part of my package.json. Like there was just so much I had to set up that it was actually slowing me down. Mm. And there was also the issue of if I ever wanted someone else to build on what I build, I had to tell them how to set up those build steps for themselves and get it running, which actually made it not very useful to a lot of developers who may have only used a single build pipeline, like, for example, the one they use at work. 
um, and wouldn't be used to whatever I was using at the time. So I kind of said, screw it all. I'm going to just use HTML and CSS and JavaScript in the front side. I don't transpile any of my code. Um, if I'm doing something which only needs to work in a few browsers, then I just use some of the nice shiny ES6 stuff. Mm-hmm. If I need to build something that works all the way back, then I then I might add a transpile step to my code. But I um, I tend to just write, yeah, just normal HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and put it all together. It's, um, it's one of those things where it took a bit of getting used to at the start when I was just like, oh, like it's a bit annoying that I couldn't just include NPM modules out of the box. I had to just download the library I needed. So any of the tiny libraries, which I would normally just add to make stuff a little bit easier, I either had mm. to go without or use what was built into the platform. But I think it's been really good for me to do. It's been nice, like discovering all the new language features in the latest versions of ECMAScript, which make everything much easier to work with. But of course, like this only works well for me because I do a lot of rapid prototyping. This isn't for everyone. If you've got a large project with many users who you've got time to onboard, then tooling is a great thing to use. But it just it wasn't working well for me, so I stopped. The theme that keeps coming up is that with all these frameworks that we're using, people forgetting the fundamentals or not understanding the fundamentals that are underlying. That's, that's really cool that you get to see directly how these fundamentals work, how they're evolving and where they're evolving. Yeah, that is, it is really nice being able to make the most out of what's in the platform. I do, I mean, I, I do have the advantage that like being a, the developer advocate of Samsung Internet, Samsung Internet is my build target. Of course, I do make sure it works in other browsers as well because I'm not going to not practice what I preach. But I do have the advantage that I'm not supporting a million browsers back to IE3 and Netscape 4 and whatever. <laughs> and it is kind of nice to let go of the hype loop. Like, I don't have to worry about every single new trend that comes up or learn yeah. every single new like React library that comes out. I can just mm. look at them and be like, oh yeah, that's interesting. There's some interesting stuff going on there. I'm glad it's helping people build for the web. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the thing that's most important to me is making sure the web is healthy and has great content and will exist as a strong platform long into the future. Because, Mm. like, I love the web. I want to continue working in the web until I'm in my 80s. And I think the web (laughs) should stick around. So you've spoken about web VR and mixed reality and augmented reality. In terms of all these new projects and specs and libraries and frameworks that are coming out, what are you most excited about at the moment? Actually, there's a library I've been playing with only in the last few weeks, which has got me really, really excited because it kind of changes everything. Um, A library called Comlink by the Chrome team. It's an incredible library which allows you to expose an API through post message. It provides a beautiful asynchronous API to all your function calls. And it's got some interesting properties. So because you can expose an API via post message, it means not only does it work between a web worker and the main page, but post message also works across domains. Mm. So I could have two websites on two different domains where one has loaded the other into an iframe and they're messaging each other through a shared API, which has been exposed from the page, which is in the iframe which is really incredible when you think about it because it means we can make APIs that work entirely in the client side without touching the network. And then when you add on top of that the power of service workers, it means you don't even need an active network connection for someone to make an API request. 
So you don't need an active network connection. So let's say I, ha- I had like the simplest API. I wanted the user to store some information into a web page and be able to access it from other web pages. Mm-hmm. So they can go to my website and they can type in some text and they get saved to local storage. I could then have another um, website, even on a third party, open up that web page in an iframe and send messages to that iframe and use the API to get that information out, which normally wouldn't be available because of the um, Cross, cross, uh, cross-origin resource yeah, sharing. Precisely. Wow, that is that is incredible. Wow. And then if if that page was also on a service worker, then even if there was no network connection, that page would still open in the iframe, and I can still send messages to it. Oh my word! And because any information I'd need would be in the client, it would like it would still work and do everything I need. But of course, like because we found a way to to expose an API that like kind of bypasses the cross-origin resources restrictions. Um, you don't want to accidentally expose something that might contain like user information or... Mm. So let's say like Twitter exposed an API that did this. I probably wouldn't want someone landing on the page and working out like my Twitter handle or who I'm friends with and stuff like that. Mm. Like it'd be very easy to... Act, like for example, if you were to expose the HTML element, someone could then use that to use the .inner HTML property on that to write code into your your web page because the comlink library is really powerful and it proxies everything so you end up with this great effect of being able to use javascript in a very minimal um so you can use any object you want and it handles it really nicely so you you don't have to worry that you're sending all of your messaging via like effectively via strings or objects so mm. it's yeah it's a really powerful library. It's really cool. And it's got me really excited thinking about like, how could I build an API that works entirely on the client side in a fun way? I think it could, like, it's really changing the way I'm thinking about the web platform. So it's a fun thing to play with. Yeah. Now with with all of these new languages and specs and libraries coming out, how do you decide on what to learn and when do you make time to learn? So fortunately, I'm in an extremely privileged position in my job at Samsung. Taking a look at a new library that I think is really interesting is something I can do as part of my job. And then I can write a talk about it, write blog posts about it. And that's just part of what I do in my day to day. So I'm very lucky that I can do that. Um, Of course, the web community now is so large and so fast moving that I can't Mm. keep up with everything. So I tend to go for stuff that really piques my interest. So like anything really cool with web VR I'm into, like anything really interesting with like declarative, like new ways to think about the declarative web or Mm. anything like stuff like Comlink, which changes the way we think about what it means to work on the front end, like work in the browser. So yeah, that's kind of what inspires me to pick what I build. So Ada, you're passionate about working with the fundamental building blocks of the web and declarative approaches to programming. Which specific aspect about programming has dramatically changed the way that you think about and write code? So I used to be one of those very JavaScript heavy developers. So the HTML page is just my render target and I'll do everything in JavaScript. And then I saw an amazing talk by Jeremy Keith which really inspired me to rethink about the power of declarative languages. Because like the beauty of HTML is that if you make a mistake, it's usually pretty forgiving. It's not like you make a mistake, everything breaks. Something usually still works. And that really inspired me. And I started thinking like, in an ideal world, how would I build a website? 
not just looking at the raw technologies, but like the usefulness of each aspect. So the HTML, rather than just being a render target, is what I use to describe how what I'm building works. How are the different components connect together and what they do? So I use it as like the configuration layer of what I'm building. Then I use CSS for styling. And then I use JavaScript to attach stuff together. So I'll listen for events on one element to fire methods on another element. And I'll use JavaScript in a very minimal way, aside from like all the JavaScript that's running in the web components to hook all stuff together. And just been thinking about like this way of development for the past year or so, and I'm beginning to really like it. And I'd like to think with web components, as they become more mature, it becomes a pattern which we start seeing again and again in the web. It's interesting how with the sort of the popularity that functional programming is is gaining and people are sort of approaching things in a more declarative way and how now with web components and these emerging technologies, we can take this declarative approach from an environment where people take it for granted. And it's, I mean, if you look at a React application or a lot of these frameworks at the moment, your DOM is a mounting point, um, like you said, and, and then the rest is, is completely up to JavaScript. So that's fascinating that we can approach the DOM um, in a more declarative way. And I mean, getting someone else's CSS code base where, where there's no sort of architectural structure or decisions that have been made under pressing circumstances. And then you're working in an environment where, I don't know, I suppose things are a jumbled mess. And, and even in CSS, there are, there are massively declarative ways to approach things. I mean, uh, looking at Harry Roberts, the sort of methodologies that he was inspired by through programming on making your CSS more declarative and making it less, um, how would you say it, situational or specific or subjective. Um, so that's super exciting that we can take a look at the fundamentals and approach them with these modern sort of approaches. Yeah, um, I think that's really nice to take our, take our modern view of what we want to make in the web and how we want to make it, and then see how it can be done with all of the new features and patterns and practices that have come into the web platform. Mm. The web with fresh eyes. Yeah, I agree, definitely. And with that, we've come to the end of our first segment. Ada, I'm about to throw some quickfire questions your way. Let's do this. All right, cool. What is the best advice about programming you've ever received? Um, get it working. Like, it's more important to get something out there that works for people than it is to get it perfect or spend ages yak shaving your build process. <laughs> um, yak shaving, that's great. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like there's so many things where you can just sit and re you can refactor something a million times. You can mm. always be improving your build speed or making stuff just like neater or re-architecting it. And I think there's, there's something to be said for getting something out there and built and for people to see and then identifying the problems and fixing the problems that arise. Stuff doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to work for people. Yeah, rather, rather ship it. Which personal habits do you attribute to writing better code? Um, linting. Always be linting. Mm -hmm. I, I like my style. I make sure that the code is readable. Um, I try to avoid files that are too big. Mm -hmm. And just making sure that my linting is automated. I'm always checking it. So the code is neat and goes in. It's just something that was drilled into me at the Financial Times mm -hmm. as a junior developer. And it's really stuck with me and it's really, really helped my code. Mm -hmm. So just by writing code that looks good the first time works really well for me. 
And getting to know your tools is really important. So setting up your linting in your editor and don't try a million editors to try and find the one that's perfect. Find one that's Mm. good enough and start using it, learning the shortcuts, getting it set up how you like it. And then once it's done that, you can just get faster and faster and faster. And even like when I say learning your tools, it also means like learning stuff like CSS properly. Don't just like change one line, refresh it, change one line, refresh it. Mm. Get comfortable writing a good chunk of CSS and feeling pretty confident that you know how it's going to look when you Mm. finally rendered it. Yeah, I've found that approach to be immensely helpful. I have a component, I have an understanding of how it needs to appear. You write your entire CSS and then, okay, let's take a look at how that actually renders once, you, once you're done. And that's, that's had a profound impact on my ability to understand how different properties actually compose and render. Yeah, because like, getting good at CSS will make you such a faster developer just because it's one mm. of those things where people don't seem to like CSS, but then they also, because they don't really like it, don't care to learn it. Mm. But once you learn it, and you find it's pretty quick, it's extremely powerful and there's a lot there it can give you very tersely and you can do very quickly. So definitely something that's worth learning properly. Mm. Ada, if you could recommend one book on programming, what would it be and why? Um, So for me, I'd probably say JavaScript Patterns. It really changed the way I thought about JavaScript and how to make the most of the features in the language by thinking about interesting coding patterns that appear. And it just made me appreciate JavaScript in a whole new way. Mm. Ada, who in the front-end world is doing work that's really inspiring? Um, I'd say uh, Leia Vru there. Her Marvel project is amazing. She's looking at how you can build reactive web apps just using HTML. Wow. And she's put together a really amazing library called Marvo, which I really like. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Leia Vru's just done so much amazing stuff. I really love her book, CSS Secrets. And the work she's doing now is really incredible. And I get very excited by everything she's doing. All right, Ada, let's reverse things a little bit over here. Imagine you wake up and you have no recollection of ever having written code. With your knowledge of tools, books, and courses available today, how would you go about learning to program from scratch? Okay, so so knowing me and my love of like making graphics and games and stuff, I would give myself a frame. I would be like, <laughs> here is a very basic A-frame setup, like tweak it, have some fun, expand upon it. And then that would probably just through my own natural interest, encourage me to start looking at HTML and JavaScript and doing animations and all the stuff I love doing in the web today. So just trying to like peak my own natural interest, I think. All right, Ada, let's wrap up today with your top tip on how to work smart and the best way to connect with you. Top tip on how to work smart. Uh, I think compartmentalizing your code into nice components is um, a really nice way to make reusable chunks you can use again and again and again. So like the moment you need to use something three times, then make it something you can reuse. Mm. Like there's no point pre-optimizing at one time. Two times, yeah, you can probably just copy and paste it. Three times, make it something reusable. That's just my Mm. opinion there. And the best way to contact me is probably Twitter. I'm at lady underscore Ada underscore King on Twitter. My DMs are always open and I'm always happy to speak to new people. 
<laughs> awesome. To everyone out there, you've been hanging with Ada Rose Cannon and Larry Buerta. Head over to fixate.it where you'll find links and timestamps for everything we've been talking about today. And Ada, thank you for sharing your journey with Fixate on Code. Keep pushing limits and keep pushing great code. 